has been given to him, and he sends his people with that authority to all the world. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He sends his people to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. All the nations. Not just the people that look like them, not just the socioeconomic groups represented before him, not the skin colors before him, not the languages before him. And this is the language we're speaking now, it wasn't invented yet. But he sends his people to all the nations of the world. And he, he wants them to be baptized into churches. When you baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's the entrance thing, right? That's we're baptized into the community of Jesus. This is commanded to plant churches and to make disciples who do everything that Jesus commanded, do all he has commanded, teaching them to observe all that he has said, to take to heart all this stuff about mercy, all the lifestyle of compassion and mercy and kindness that he's called us to. And he promises us that he'll be with us always. It's the same word used in four different ways. All we're called to is based on all of who Jesus is. And it shouldn't be a surprise, actually, for the disciples in Matthew. They had a mini-mission strip. Matthew 10, he sends out the 12, and he says, do what I've been doing. He's been announcing the good news that God broken into history in a new way in his time. He's the king. God's reign and his power to heal is present now in history in a new way in Jesus and he's been doing these loving, miraculous deeds. And he sends his disciples out. It was the first like, short-term mission trip. He's like, go out and do the stuff that I've been doing. Announce this news. And actually he gives them uh, power to do the deeds that he's done. So he sends them out. So it shouldn't be a surprise for the disciples that they're sent out this way. And if you've been hanging out with the church, it shouldn't be a surprise for us. Right? We'll talk like this. We'll... This, it sounds initially like crazy talk, but it's actually basic Christianity. If you've been around a Liberty Church, you've heard us say that we're actually called to live, speak, and serve the very presence of Jesus. When Jesus saves us, he sends us. Jesus saves us, forgives us, but he makes us part of what he's doing in the world. Like how you live, and people you touch, and people you talk to, and people you interact with, that matters. And we're called together as a community to live, speak, and serve this very presence of Jesus. This is why we plant churches. We want to start churches so more people hear about Jesus. About a third of the city lives in northeast Philadelphia. It's a huge section of the city. And the um, Jesus will be worshipped in about 70 different languages in our city. A lot of those nations are in northeast Philadelphia. This is why we do, okay, taking to heart all that Jesus said, this is why we try to do actually big things for the glory of Jesus. We want actually the world to hear about Jesus. 8,000 meals to welcome neighbors in need. On the day, the weekend that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, that matters. Our international partnerships matter. Jesus has swept us into what he's doing in the world. One of the reflection quotes is from an Anglican missionary who only served for six years. Uh, he served for six years and died. He was 31 years old. His name is Henry Martin. He died in 1812. He did, in that six years, manage to translate the New Testament three times. But most of the impact of his life was his example and how he talked about missions. And him reflecting on 
this passage, this is what Henry Martin said. He said that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to Him, the more intensely missionary we become. The more you get Jesus, the more you get all who He is, the more intensely missionary we become. That doesn't mean, okay, that we all, we're all going to go to South Sudan and India. But it does mean that it means that we're all sent to our neighborhood and region in love. It does mean that we're all called to pray about the people that God has put in our lives as a community and on your block and in your street and your workplace. Like, those people matter. And getting Jesus more makes us more into what he is into, which is people. Because we get near to God, we'll have more of this part of people. So we won't all be in South Sudan and in India. We'll all be sent more intensely to those around us. It does also mean that some of us should, and we pray we will, be in the hardest place in the world. It does mean that too. Places like South Sudan and India. All we're called to is based on all who Jesus is. And I, I just want to offer, reflecting on all of these offers, here's three ways that will change how we typically think about stuff. This is how we we'll transform the way that we typically think. The first way is this. Since all we're called to is based on all who Jesus is, it'll change our thinking this way. It's Our life calling is not based on what we think we can do. It's not like based. Our goals and the vision isn't based on what we think we can pull off. Like we're not going to say, okay, what leaders do we have? What gifts do we have? What money do we have? What do we think we could do? And this matters actually as you think about the ways your own life is about to change. Maybe it's a deep addiction that you're just forever lost to. Or an area of, of your personality or how you relate to people. Or just deep wounds and patterns in your life. And you're just like, I, I don't know if I can change that. Actually, bring that into the light of the community. How we're trying to think about it, all we're called to is based on all who Jesus is, not based on what we think we can do. How do you think the disciples felt? Do you think that they found this reasonable? They're struggling to understand Jesus. And Matthew includes these two words that are fascinating in the context, right? Here's this huge, sweeping, historic, great passage, famous words, and also in this passage, short phrase, two words, summed up. There he is, the resurrected Jesus, and summed up. And it's comfort for those of us who are doubting now, those of us who are here, and maybe it's, maybe you've been Christian for a long time, and there's something going on that's just shaking your world. You wonder if Jesus is with you now. You're doubting. Struggling to sense God's comfort. Maybe it's those of us too, and we welcome you. Those of us who are wondering, could this all be true? And you're part of the Liberty Church, and this is where you belong. And you're wondering, could I really believe this? Could I connect with this truly and deeply? And we want to tell you again and again, you belong here. And actually, the New Testament doesn't cover over the part of my story which includes doubts. And the doubts that we so often struggle with. Look at Matthew's story. Think about the Gospel of Matthew. 
was a tax collector when Jesus walked up to him and said, follow me. And he had to leave the lifestyle. And basically being an ancient tax collector, he cheated people for a living. Matthew doesn't edit that out of the story. Matthew doesn't hide the fact that disciples often didn't believe or understand and follow. He doesn't present the disciples as the Justice League of Faith. They're not superheroes of faith all the time. They often say and do the wrong thing. They betray you. They fail. They would say the opposite sometimes. They would think the opposite way that Jesus wanted them to think. I'll give you one example. People were bringing small children to have Jesus bless the small children. Yeah, isn't that... It sounds like a good thing to do, right? We're going to bring our infants who are so vulnerable in this broken world. Let's have Jesus pray for them and bless them. And Matthew reports in Matthew 19, the disciples rebuked them. They didn't just say, like, hey, Jesus doesn't have the time. They treated the crowd like, you should not do that. No. Yes, no. Get out of here. And Jesus has to come up and say actually the opposite. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So it's, it's these doubting disciples who are forgiven and begin to be transformed and are sent. And we can admit these same realities in our lives. It's actually it's an important part of the gospel. Actually, we need to see. We're like the disciples who sometimes fail and betray, or like the disciples who have doubts. We can admit these same realities in our lives personally and as a network. We can admit, hey, the things we need to learn to do better. We plan in churches and we shut down a couple too. We can admit the same realities in our personal lives. We don't hide our weaknesses, struggles, and doubts. Confessions of sin and liberty is the confession we do. That's not for visitors, right? That's for all of us. I was uh, remembering recently how in 2002, I'd been sent out. It was actually right before I was sent out to help start a first liberty church. I've been serving at a church right on the edge of the city, part of their pastoral staff for years. And I have been assessed, which is important. Like, hey, could you really do this? Do you have the gifts for this? Do you have the stomach for this? Is this a wise fit for you? You should actually receive that input. A couple of people I served with said, hey, we love you. Uh, we see things in your life. We wonder if you should do this. Uh, I don't want to discourage you, but Steve, we love you. I don't know, man. I don't know if you should do this. I don't know if you'll be able to. And I, I bring that up. Actually, not to say, ha I did it. <laughs> but actually, the things that they were concerned about, the proneness to anxiety and depression, some family issues that God was going to need to work in my life, a tendency sometimes to work too hard, to just become obsessive, uh, sometimes just being uncomfortable leaving. The things that they saw, God has actually in grace pressed on all those things. And they're all not completely transformed. There's been change. They weren't wrong. And yet God has been gracious. And isn't that a story of liberty? It's not that like we have perfect plans and all the gifts, but God has been gracious. It's not that we knew everything and knew what to do, but God has been gracious. All we're called to is based on all who Jesus is. All we're called to is based on all who Jesus is. So we can keep on going 
as a community, even though we don't have the perfect plan. I remember uh, talking with Jared. Uh, this was a dark night, literally in December, cold and dark. Jared was like, hey man, we need to pray. So, um, the, the wonderful congregation of First Baptist is in a spot where they might need to sell a portion of this building, which will become a department store. And so, for Liberty to remain here in this space, and for it to remain as a, to continue their First Baptist legacy of mission in this place and a wonderful legacy, we need to buy it. And let's talk about that for a second. I don't have the perfect plan to buy it And yet, here we are, <laughs> by God's grace, here we are, here First Baptist remains, praise be to God, and here what we pray will be generations of more faithfulness in this place. God showed up and was gracious. As we think about Cape Liberty Northeast, you probably have been meeting as a team, you realize you don't have a perfect plan, you're not all superstars and heroes, and yet... God, we're trusting God to be gracious. These two blind guys in Matthew 9 asked Jesus to heal them. They asked for mercy. Jesus asked them one question. Can we ask them? He doesn't ask them about their blindness or how long they've been blind or the depth of their problem. He says, Do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe I'm able to do this? And he has an exercise of faith. He said, Yes, we believe you can. Then he heals And so as we pray for the state of New Jersey, the densest state in the United States, the most dense, we pray about planting churches there. We pray about central Pennsylvania and six million people in the Philly metro area. We pray, we think about churches being planted and renewed as we think about growing our international partnerships. Can we put that before ourselves? Do we believe Jesus can act and lead God from high? Be gracious. Do we, not do we think we can, but do we think Jesus can? All we're called to is based on all who Jesus is. It's based on all of what he has. The second way this will change the way our thinking is that it will change the dreams for your life. To take this word in, it'll change the dreams for your life. We all live out of a vision of what matters and what's good. And to be a disciple is to let Jesus shape your dreams. There's implications for all of life. A disciple is someone who follows. Someone is a whole life learner. And there is a stress in this passage about doing stuff. Okay, there's things to believe. But there is a stress in this passage about are we doing the things that Jesus has called us to as do we do the stuff? Not do we just go to church and listen to someone talk about it once a week? Do we do the things as a community and as people? And it will make, I tell you what, your dreams will get both smaller and bigger. Smaller and bigger. This is what I mean about your dreams will include the small things. I, okay, this is me as a young man. I, I was a Christian and some because of family stuff, I wanted to make an impact on the world to atone for my messed up family. And I also wanted to do something that the world knows. I wanted to change the world for the better. But I wanted it to be in a way that was immediately noticeable. 
in Bible's got recognition. And one of the ways that Jesus had to flip the script was learning more about who he is and his ways and how all that Jesus says, okay, listening to all that Jesus commanded, Jesus tells us stuff like this. How do you pray in a room by yourself when no one else is around? It really matters. And what you give to people that no one sees is really precious to God. And serving in a church, I had to learn to love the church. Why do I want to love the church? Jesus loves the church. Jesus actually asks us, as a young man, this is part of the deal, to basically put your name at the top of the clipboard before it was clear what Jesus was calling me to. Jesus had me sign on the dotted line before I knew what it meant for my life. Jesus, whatever it is, if you want me to be a pastor, I guess that'll be it. If you want me to do this, that'll be it. If you want me to serve this way, that'll be it. Jesus wants us to sign on the line. To be all in, we know what, what it's going to look like. And the little things matter. On that first mini missions trip, Matthew 10, he sends out 12. He gives them this vision. He ends that chapter by saying, And whoever of you gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. A cup of water to a little kid matters in the eyes of God. There are no small things. Our dreams make the small things matter. Our attitude about doing the dishes matter and raising our kids and how we interact with the neighbors and how we reach out and love people. It's all matters to God. It's precious to Him. God's dream includes all of that. And also, our dreams will get bigger. We want to be a network that starts more churches so more people hear about Jesus and also has a heart for the world. That's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to be churches to reflect God's global heart. That's a bigger dream. That's not easy to be churches. Let's put this before us and say, let's really go after this workplace in the world, the world's newest country that is in turmoil, South Sudan. It's not an easy thing. Doesn't it seem to be God's heart? Though? Jesus, the risen Jesus, gives us a vision for all the nations. It includes the nations in the neighborhoods. Our city's full of immigrants. And there's things happening within our network to love and serve and learn from immigrants. And also we want to learn and partner with what God's doing in this world. Our dreams get bigger. Jesus, Jesus actually will crush some of your dreams. Only to give you better ones. And this is how one way I'll challenge us as Americans. Typically Americans, we say it to God, fulfill me first. Jesus, if you fulfill me, then I'll follow. When actually in the scriptures, it's always the reverse. Jesus asks us to just follow. And he does actually promise that we'll find our life and find rest. But it's only after losing our life. Jesus actually tells us to actually lose our life in the first. To follow Often the fulfillment comes later. And following, listening to Jesus and all the commands, I just want to acknowledge too, yeah, sometimes, personally, that'll feel like death. It'll be cross-bearing. It'll feel like God is telling you to do the opposite of what a peace of you wants to do because he's telling you the opposite of what a peace of you wants to do. Uh, John Perkins, there's this other reflection quote. He suffered a lot in love's community area of racial reconciliation 
and he's brought, by God's grace, a community of Jesus that's really served in love and transformed the different communities he's been in. And he puts it this way. Yielding to God's will can be hard. Sometimes it really hurts, but it always brings peace. It's true. Let Jesus shape your dreams. It's letting us shape our dreams as we network. And look at this comfort. All we're called to is based on all who Jesus is. Guess what? Jesus is always with us. He's with us always. Matthew begins the first gospel by announcing chapter 1, Emmanuel is with us. Emmanuel is born. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. This baby, God is with this broken, jacked up, fallen world in a new way. And he ends this gospel, Jesus' words, promising that he'll be with us forever, for all time. Look at the comfort here. Jesus died for your sins, he rose from the dead, and he's promised to always be with you. Apply this to where you're afraid to follow personally, the areas you're afraid. Maybe it's the addiction, maybe it's the thing in your marriage that you don't want to deal with, or just your crushed dreams that you're afraid to bring into the light. Maybe you realize you need more counseling than you thought. Uh, Jack Miller, the, the guy who planted in the church I was at the edge of the city, he used to say, cheer up, you need, cheer up, you're worse than you think. You know, God loves you more than you can imagine. I would add to that, cheer up, you need more counseling than you think. <laughs> but God will change your life, more than you imagine. You need more input from the Christian community, you need more mentoring, you need more healing. All the things that my friends saw in my life, God and grace, has dealt with and is still dealing with. And Jesus is with us. As we apply this as a network, if we realize Jesus is with us, we realize He's God, He has all authority, how would we pray differently for our region and the world? What would we attempt? What would we try to do if we realize Jesus is with us? And He's with us when it doesn't work. Did you know that? You know, it's a great comfort. For the uh, for Liberty Northwest, the close this fall. God is with us in that. I, and I remember actually wrestling with that before planting the first Liberty Church. Could I be the guy whose fault it was that we had Liberty with an eye on the end and it not work? Go and be okay. And Jesus is with us in that. Jesus is with you if you've been serving, and it's been way harder than you imagine. Jesus is with you. Your family's going through stuff you never dreamed they'd go through. Jesus is with us in that. Such great comfort. Moses in Exodus 33 says, it's one of the times one of the times when Moses says something that's actually great. He says to God, if you don't go with us from here, you guide us to this spot. If you don't go with us, don't send us. It was actually a cool, right, godly thing Moses said. What's God say? My presence will be with you. And we have better than that. We have the word of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We see how much Jesus went for us. We see that Jesus even went to the cross for us and went through death for us so that we don't have to fear death. The death for us would be a cold door, but there'll be light and home on the other side. 